you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, January 24th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to continue are comparing the rebuild series here on the podcast. We have talked to experts on teams like the Pirates, like the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies so far to take a look at how their rebuilds or lack of rebuilds have gone or are going as compared to what the Orioles are doing at this moment. But today we're going to continue that series and take a look at a little bit of a different team because the three previous episodes we've done, including the Pirates on Friday with Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates, make sure to check that one out, have been teams kind of similar to what the Orioles are doing. The Pirates are almost on par with the O's, maybe a year behind. The Diamondbacks finish with the same record as the Orioles this year. And the Rockies, well, they don't really have a plan, which is making them lose a lot of games. But today, we're going to compare the Orioles to the Philadelphia Phillies. And this is a little different because, as we know, the Phillies are no longer in their rebuild. They are out of their rebuild. They have signed guys like Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler. They have traded for guys like Gene Segura and JT Romuto. They are trying to win baseball games. But it hasn't gone so well over the last three years. Since they signed Harper, it's just been a bunch of 500 seasons, and they still have yet to make the postseason since coming out of this rebuild. So today... A bit of a cautionary tale about what can go wrong when you go all in on the rebuild. And to talk about the Phillies rebuild and what did go wrong, we're going to be joined here on the podcast once again by Destiny Legardo. She is the deputy editorial director over at Phillies Nation, a website that does a great job covering the Philadelphia Phillies. And Destiny joins us to talk about, you know, when that Phillies rebuild really started, what they did to kind of tear things down and build them back up. She talks about what went wrong, when the rebuild was over, and why the Phillies still at this point, despite having one of the best players in baseball and really in, you could argue, the weakest division in baseball at times, have not yet made it back to the postseason. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked On Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And remember, we're the only Orioles pod out there bringing you three episodes a week during the offseason. During the lockout, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a new episode of Locked On Orioles in your inbox. So if you're liking what you're hearing, make sure to like, follow, subscribe to the pod wherever you listen. And if you are a listener on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a five-star rating and a review on each of those apps, that would help out tremendously. So once again, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, we're jumping right into it as we continue our Comparing the Rebuild series here on the podcast. Comparing the Baltimore Orioles to the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that is out of their rebuild, but has been out of it for three years and has an MVP on their team and has two Cy Young candidates on their team and still has not made the playoffs. So a cautionary tale about what can go wrong if you go full-fledged into the rebuild. We're going to learn about what went wrong with the Phillies and what the Orioles can do to not make the same mistakes. And that's coming up right now with Destiny Legardo of Phillies Nation. We're talking Orioles and Phillies and comparing the rebuilds. 
All right. So we welcome Destiny Lagardo back into the podcast. She is the deputy editorial director at Phillies Nation, covering all things Philadelphia Phillies baseball and Destiny. First of all, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. And of course, we bring you back here. We had you on in the 2020 season uh, to talk about Orioles Phillies at one point. Uh, did we have you on to preview or talk about that insane series uh, in the 2020 season, I believe, where Pedro Severino hit a pop-up in the infield that the Phillies dropped and they ended up winning a crazy extra innings games. I think that was the last time we had you on. I don't think I came on that series, but that first game with John Means, that that kind of just crushed Phillies fans' <laughs> hopes to – I mean, they, they did well the last two games, but that John Means games really took a lot out of the Phillies fan base. Yeah, it was a, it, it was a weird sequence of games. Um, in Philadelphia, but we have you on this time for a little bit of a broader topic as we continue our comparing the rebuild series here on the podcast. And we're going to talk Orioles and Phillies and kind of look at what Philadelphia did during their rebuild, because it's interesting to talk about this team because, you know, despite the fact that they haven't made the playoffs again yet, I think everyone would agree that the Phillies are out of their rebuild. They're into full win now mode and they have been for a couple of years and we want to talk about what that has been like. So I think my first question is just the timeline. Kind of what years would you consider the rebuilding seasons? And when do you consider things switching to win now time for Philadelphia? So it's kind of, it's funny. In 2011, they came off a 101 season and they lost in the division series. Um, and if you want to do revisionist history, I think, and if you wanted to get the most out of the impact players that were in the previous era of Phillies baseball, I think you would trade everyone, but everybody would hate the idea of just breaking it apart a 101 team. So that wasn't realistic. Um, they tried to compete in 2012 and tried to do the same in 2013. And I think 2014 became the time where everyone had to realize that a rebuild was coming. Um, Ruben Amaro Jr. was fired in 2015. They made a few notable trades and then the rebuild started from that. So kind of what was, was there an initial move? Was there a, a veteran that was dealt? Was there a move where you feel like signaled this, this turn besides, you know, switching up guys in the front office? Yeah, I think, you know, if you go back to 2012, Shane Victorino was traded. That's not really like signaling the rebuild. Um, they traded Rollins in 2014. Um, but I think the one move that you could say, this is when the rebuild started is Cole Hamels because he was the trade. Uh, he was the player that had the most trade value out of all of those guys. So that was the opportunity to really make an impact when it comes to restocking the farm system and looking towards the future. So that was a trade where people said like, this is really over and a long rebuild is starting. Um, and they, they went with the idea of trying to get as many prospects as they can as opposed to trying to hit on two prospects and that really came to bite them but that Cole Hamels trade was at that time that was that was the moment when people were saying like the rebuild is starting and this is like this is what gets it basically this is what gets it started you mentioned you know Ruben Amaro Jr. being let go and and that signaled kind of an interesting year in, in 2015 for Philly because not only does Matt Klintak come in as the GM, but you get, you know, a new owner of the team too in John Middleton. So what were kind of those first steps bringing in, you know, a whole new group of people to lead this franchise? What, what started to get the ball rolling and really around that 2015 season? Yeah. So around that time, Pat Gillick, who um, 
was the general manager around the time when the Phillies won the 2008 World Series. He came in as the interim team president that kind of bridged the gap between this weird time where the Phillies are trying to compete and this time where they need to get into a rebuild. So um, he was there in place just to, to be that, you know, guy that leads the transition. Um, and then they had to hire a new team president. So Andy McPhail came in. I'm sure Orioles fans are very familiar with him. He was supposed to be the guy that leads the Phillies into the future because the Phillies were a team that was very behind on analytics. Um, their farm system wasn't in a great place. Um, so he was a guy that was expected to, you know, really help find the next general manager. And that was expected to be a young guy who was supposed to build up that analytics department and build up the farm system. Um, and then Matt Clintac came. So, you know, those were the people that at that time period were, you know, expected to lead the rebuild. Yeah. I got to ask about Andy McPhail. That was going to be my next question anyway. And, and kind of a perfect role into that is, you know, he, I think has some really interesting kind of lore in Baltimore with Orioles baseball, because at the end of the day, he never oversaw a winning Orioles team. But what he did do is put in a lot of the pieces that eventually helped the Orioles starting in 2012 and really through 2017 be a winning baseball team and, you know, win the most games in the American league in a five-year stretch between 2012 and 16, you make the playoffs three out of those five years. Like, Andy McPhail, you know, acquired these guys like Adam Jones and, you know, was overseeing bringing in these guys like Nick Markakis and, and even some of the younger guys like Manny Machado, like he was overseeing all of this. And so, you know, my next question was, you know, McPhail, it was kind of a, a short lived tenure with Philly, at least in, in that, you know, kind of president of, of baseball or a president of the team position. How do Phillies fans, how does yourself kind of grade out what he did in Philadelphia? Oh, so a lot of people like to talk about when they reflect on the rebuild, who is the most to blame? My personal opinion is that it's Andy McPhail. Um, when they hired him, the expectation, I think when the media was writing about him, that he was going to be very involved in the baseball operations side. But what really happened is that he became more involved in the business side. And Matt Clentak was left to lead a baseball operations department that was one very behind on analytics to in a very important, just in a very important time in their history where they're trying to get prospects and trying to build that, that next, um, next great Phillies team. So I think Andy McPhail's legacy is that he was, first of all, I think Middleton, when he was trying to hire a new president, he kind of just went with name recognition and didn't really recognize like, cause when, you know, the Dodgers or the Astros, any team that's looking to hire a new head of whether it's their president or uh, president of baseball operations, I think they try to get the most forward thinking candidate. And I don't think Andy McPhail falls into that care category. So it's interesting. Um, Andy McPhail's contract expired last month and he quietly went away. Um, and for the Phillies, you know, coming back to the present, the last year or so for them was Dave Dombrowski evaluating the organization and where it is. It is, it is, and, um, you know, who are the people that he could trust and what are they doing well? Um, and that, that wouldn't have to happen if Andy McPhail did a good job. So we'll get back to our conversation, talking about the Orioles and the Phillies in just a second with Destiny Legardo. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. And it's the new year, which means New Year's resolutions. And if yours might be about getting fit, maybe eating healthier, 
make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. It's a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. And you'll be eating these delicious flavors that Built Bar has, like cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, just to name a few. But they're still good for you, and you can still reach your goals for your New Year's resolution. Because although these bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all delicious, all of them have you know just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in every bar. So grab yourself a built bar, you have a delicious snack, and it's good for you too. So to get your hands on some of these bars, go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. You know, it's funny because he was, I think, more so with Philly, at least at the end when they were trying to win baseball games. And obviously in his time with the Orioles, they never went into a full teardown. They were just bad. I mean, what was really the thing? But he did a good job of kind of, I think, building up some talent pipeline more than the previous regimes in Baltimore. He just was never around to see it through. And obviously, you know, Dan Duquette came in and did a better job of kind of putting the pieces around that core that he built to, to finally get a winning team. And maybe that was something McPhail couldn't do. Like he knew the pieces were there, but he couldn't take them from, Hey, we have some good major league players to, Hey, we're going to be a playoff baseball team. But, you know, I look at this 2021 Phillies team and obviously you've got, you know, guys like Bryce Harper, who they, they send out the, the big deal for, and, you know, vets like Andrew McCutcheon and Didi Gregorius and, you know, trading for JT Romuto who have, have come in to help this team, obviously signing Zach Wheeler to the huge contract worked out. But among the guys who are on this Phillies team now, and I know they didn't make the playoffs, but they were in the playoff race for most of the year, and they're currently in win-now mode. Which of these like important players were products of the rebuild, like that, that came out of the rebuild, and that's why they are successful in the majors now? Yeah, so really the only two players that are a product of the Phillies rebuild are Aaron Nola and Reese Hoskins, and they were both taken in the 2014 draft. Nola was the, I believe, seventh overall pick, and Reese Hoskins was drafted in the fifth round. And um, weirdly enough, I think that was the last year that Ruben Amaro Jr. had control of the draft. So kudos to him for finding two really important foundational players um, in those earlier years of, I don't think the quote unquote rebuild, but. Um, and that's, that's part of the problem. I think, um, if you want a successful rebuild, obviously the goal in mind is to win the world series at some point, but the most successful rebuilds are the ones where you come out of it with these foundational players, um, that are homegrown, like, you know, going back to the late nineties and the early two thousands, the Phillies drafted Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Cole Hamels, um, Pat Burrell, um, all these other players that became a part of the best five years of this franchise's history, they didn't come out of the rebuild with enough of those players. And the good thing is that the Phillies do have enough money to compensate for that. Like, as you said, they signed Zach Wheeler, they signed Bryce Harper. Um, so they were able to at least make up a little bit for not having those foundational players from the draft, but um, yeah, it, it's part of the problem. Um, the Phillies really hope for a bounce back from Alec Bohm. He had a really good 2020 season, but as you all know, that was a 60 game sample size. And looking back on a season, it probably wasn't as terrible as it was in the moment. So I think there are some, there's some, you could hope you could at least um, dream a little bit on Alec Bohm's bat. 
Um, Bryson Stott is expected to be um, a part of the team at some point, and they hope he's their shortstop for the next few years. So there are still some players that could come out um, from the draft just a few years ago and contribute. But for the most part, when it comes to the rebuild, they didn't, they came out of it with very few homegrown talented players. Yeah. And, and let's kind of, you know, get to that a little bit as well, because as the rebuilds going on, this is kind of a two-parter part one is like, how good did the system get when the team was bottoming out at the major league level and losing in the nineties to hundred games a year? Like how good was the farm system at that point? Because we know it's not as good now they've traded out of it some and, you know, have tried to be a, a key player at the major league level. And then two, like were there big name prospects who just didn't work out? Yeah. So back when the rebuild was happening, and it's kind of strange because today is when the Baseball America top prospects list comes out. Um, they were ranking in the top of of the of all the major league systems. But um, I think this is kind of a lesson to be learned: is that you know you could rank high in these um, in these system rankings, but it's a matter of when they get to the big leagues, can they play? Um, I think you know J.P. Crawford was one of those players who ranked really high in. Um, rankings and he's a decent player like don't get me wrong but um, he's not he's not like a a star shortstop Um, and they ended up trading him for Gene Segura and I think he's he's going to be you know good part of I wouldn't say like I don't know if it's like the Mariners core or whatever but he's going to be a good defensive shortstop for them Um, and they were they were really high on Scott Kingery too um, as you some of you know they gave him a very big contract before he even played a major league game, um, and he was expected to be a foundational player, but that didn't work out. So um, I think, you know, during the rebuild, a lot of people saw the farm system as they have some potentially elite players that could come in the next few years. Um, they have some regulars and some pitching, but um, yeah, I mean. I, I guess the problem is, is that it just didn't work out. A lot of these guys just didn't perform in the at the major league level. It's interesting too because you mentioned uh, Nola and Hoskins being kind of the guys that that worked out as products of the rebuild, and you know they were even guys who were drafted. You could argue before the full rebuild maybe even started, and it's interesting because the Orioles have some guys like that. Obviously, Adley Rutschman being the number one prospect came from them tanking, getting the number one pick and getting Adley Rutschman. But the number two and three ranked prospects for the Orioles, Grayson Rodriguez, who came out as number six in baseball and baseball America today. And DL Hall, who's a top 60 guy as well. A couple of pitchers. They were first round picks in 2017 and 2018. And obviously the two years that got the Orioles, those picks, they were not in rebuild mode at all. They were still trying to win. So it's interesting to see how these guys kind of get lumped in with the rebuild because of the next top prospects but maybe they weren't even products. And, you know, it's interesting to talk about Nola and Hoskins because, you know, every team in the majors would take Nola and Hoskins on their team right now. But some of those guys like Kingery, I mean, you know, at least for Boehm, yeah, it's been a little bit of a down year, but, you know, I think he is still going to be a good player. But, you know, and Crawford and some guys, they were able to trade and get major league talent. But, you know, Kingery is obviously one of the one of the fails as, as well. I wanted to turn to kind of when you felt like, you know, it was turning into win now mode. And I think everyone would point to, well, them giving Bryce Harper $300 million seems pretty good to me. Was it 
before that, or was that really the moment where the Phillies were were kind of back to at least trying to to really you know win a division, get to the postseason, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I really do think it was when they started paying a lot of these players, like Andrew McCutcheon. They traded for Gene Segura. Um, they traded a big pitching prospect in Sixto Sanchez for JT Realmuto, and they came on top of the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. And you kind of saw this blossoming of a core pretty much coming together. Um, but in reality, in 2019, you know, the starting rotation wasn't as good as it was supposed to be. Um, they didn't have much of a bullpen. So they still had parts of the roster that they needed to complete in order to have a really competitive team, like a team that could win the division. So um, in 2019, I think the hope really started with Harper coming to Philadelphia because um, before you know, people talked about, you know, is Manny Machado going to come? Is Bryce Harper going to come? And there was no doubt that the Phillies had the money to bring them in, but it's a matter of, will they choose Philadelphia? And I think Phillies fans got really hopeful, um, you know, when Bryce came and that, you know, in the future, more prospects, not prospects, but more free agents can come and uh, choose Philadelphia and the team can get better. Yeah. And, and that's obviously the hope. And and you look around at this team, you know, you mentioned the, the Nolan Hoskins being, two of the guys who came out of the rebuild, but a lot of it's been, Hey, they, they have traded some of their top talent, you know, JP Crawford and, and Sixto Sanchez, you know, for getting Segura and real Muto have been really good players for Philadelphia and were really good players, you know, on their previous teams, but you look around and, you know, they're out of the rebuild. Clearly they're trying to win and they were, you know, in the playoff race till the last four or five days of the season in 2021. But, you know, what do you feel like was like the biggest either the biggest weakness of the rebuild or the biggest thing that went wrong, because kind of my final question coming up next, after we talk about this, I'm going to ask you, you know, was it a failure? Was it a success? Or is it too early to tell, but they're out of the rebuild and they're trying to win and they're trading and they're spending money, but they probably would have hoped they would have been in the postseason by now. So what has maybe been the one or two things that have kept them from getting to that mark? Yeah, I think part of the problem is that, they focused a lot on how quickly the rebuild is going to happen and not whether the rebuild is effective or not. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is the Braves have these foundational talents like Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. and the Mets are spending a lot of money. Um, so it's going to be tough right now to compete in the division, but they did have opportunities before. Um, I think back to 2020, I think they, they did have the team to win the division, but they didn't have the bullpen. And that was because ownership wouldn't spend enough money to get them a good bullpen. Um, so I think part of it is cutting corners at places where they shouldn't have. Um, and going back to analytics, um, they were really behind once Matt Klintek came in. And I think they tried to play too much catch up. Um, they brought in driveline guys to kind of get them up to speed. But I think they might've went in a little too hard with the analytics and they got away from this balance that they were aiming for. Um, one of the goals in the rebuild was to develop quote unquote ways of pitching. Um, and, you know, 2020 shows that they couldn't develop enough competent relievers to get through that 60 game season. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of reasons why the rebuild failed. I would say that if you're an Orioles fan, you can't, this rebuild cannot, um, fail as hard as the Phillies rebuild fails. Cause I think the Orioles probably don't have that kind of money to, um, to get to these big free agents to make up for their flaws. So um, the Phillies rebuild, I think is, you know, a cautionary tale. 
Yeah, it definitely is. And, and, you know, there's, I think questions about it, you know, did they go a, a little too quickly? Did they not invest enough in their system? And you bring up the driveline thing is really interesting because we heard kind of those stories when, you know, they kind of cleaned house with some of the minor league, like hitting coaches and pitching coaches in the last year or so about how, yeah, they brought in all these new ideas and, and guys who people were excited about, but they still didn't have like one common goal. It felt like throughout the minors, there were still a lot of different teachings being had at different levels and it just wasn't working out. It seemed like a lot of imbalance and, and not a good culture in the minor league. So, you know, now they bring in Dave Dombrowski and, you know, if you want a guy to go spend you money and get to the postseason, I think they hired a pretty good guy to do that. And now they bring in Sam Folt, who I was like really interested to see how he's going to do as a, as a baseball executive, you know, as a, as a guy, we all know from his playing days and obviously Orioles fans know him well from his days with the Tampa Bay Rays, but, you know, it's a question of how well will he do, you know, helping to run the Phillies. And so with all that in mind, they get to this point and you could argue, you know, they're in their third different regime since the rebuild started. So my last question, Destiny, for you is, you know, this could be just a, a short answer because I know you've you've kind of laid it all out so far. But, you know, they are in probably going into year four of trying to win since the rebuild probably lasted three or four years. They have not made the postseason yet. They've been basically kind of right around a 500 team and they have talent and they've paid for talent, but it hasn't all worked out. So would you say, you know, rebuild was a failure, rebuild was a success or kind of the in-between still too early to tell because, you know, all these talented guys they brought in are still on the roster. I would say the rebuild is a failure and that doesn't necessarily mean that they could have success in the next couple of years. I don't think, success would lead to people saying or th having the opinion of the rebuild was a good they, they did well with their rebuild because I think they missed out on having those um, foundational I keep saying foundational talents they just didn't have those guys um, so I think when you take that all into account the rebuild wasn't as good as they hoped it would when they would come out in the end um, you know because if the Phillies have enough money, they could still spend money and still get some really good players. Um, and it's not like they're not trying to build up their farm system right now. They made the changes. They've hired Preston Manningly to be their farm director. They feel really good about Brian Barber, their scouting director. And they had a couple of really good drafts the last couple of years. So um, they could get talent through their farm system. They could get talent to contribute to the next couple of years, the Phillies teams that are hopefully going to be good. But for the most part, um, a rebuild when you look at it as a whole, it's, it's a failure. And it, if, you know, if Andy McPhail, if Matt Klintak, if they did a really good job, then I don't think they would have to hire Dave Dombrowski and tell him to reevaluate the entire organization for a year when you still have a lot of these guys under contract and who could win, um, and tell them to inform ownership what's wrong with the organization, because it should be in a good place after the rebuild, but it's not. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, you have the guys who, who who build this team and the fact that, you know, they're not here anymore is probably a good indicator on, on what the answer to that question is. And I, I think the other thing that, that kind of secures your point there, too, is that, you know, if this Phillies team wants to sure up their biggest flaw, which everyone knows has been the bullpen, they're probably just going to have to spend their way out of it, you know, unless they hit on some younger pitchers, you know, starters who maybe turn into good relievers over the next couple of years. Like if they want to win in 2022, when this lockout ends, like they're going to need to spend their way into a better bullpen. And at the end of the day, when you look at their roster, you know, say they, they make the postseason this year, like you look at their roster and you're like, you know, they almost, this roster is almost more of a like Middleton and Dombrowski spending 
than it is a rebuild roster. And so maybe at the end of the day, they win and maybe they win a world series at some point, who knows? But I think it's interesting to say that, you know, even if they hadn't done the rebuild, I think kind of your point comes across as this, even if they hadn't done the rebuild, they could still be close to this point where they are right now. And I think that kind of uh, shows that, that maybe this rebuild was a failure, but destiny, thank you so much. Uh, for joining us here today to talk about uh, this Phillies rebuild, comparing it to the Orioles, and definitely was a, a cautionary tale. But uh, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we're back to talking Orioles in just a second. But first, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Of course, in the NFL, Championship Sunday coming up next week with the AFC and the NFC and the winners heading to the Super Bowl. But there's plenty to wager on before that with plenty of NBA, NHL, college basketball action as well during the week. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all of that great sports wagering action in 2022. And with a new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website as well. So if you go sign up today, you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. Just use our promo code locked on to get started and get that 50% welcome bonus. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. And you do it at BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. So our thanks again to Destiny Legardo, the Deputy Editorial Director at Phillies Nation, for joining us once again here on the podcast. She joined us as well, as we talked about during the 2020 season when the O's were playing the Phillies. Uh, but, you know, what an interesting conversation. And, and really, this has been the first time in this series of comparing the rebuilds where we have you know, actually looked at a team that is through their rebuild and is out the other side. And the Phillies have spent a lot of money and brought in guys like Harper and Wheeler and, you know, have really built a, a good looking team. But as we talked about, you know, the back end starters are not good and the bullpen has been a disaster. And this Phillies team can barely get above 500, let alone even sniff the postseason. Now they were in the running for the playoffs until the last week of 2021, but still fell apart, still could not get in. And, is the rebuild a failure? Well, Destiny said yes, and she's been covering you know the rebuild in this team all along, and I think it's a really interesting look, and and definitely, as I've said time and time again on this episode, a cautionary tale for the Orioles. Now, the Phillies didn't do as full of a teardown, and obviously they were coming from more winning before that, you know, winning a World Series, uh, you know, in the late 2000s. But overall, this is what could go wrong when you do this full rebuild, and. The difference between the Phillies and the Orioles, as we talked about a little bit as well, is that the Phillies, even though the rebuild failed, and really, you know, the players that got out of it were Hoskins and Nola, and those two guys were drafted either right at the beginning of the rebuild or before it even started. They just ended up being really good players who are helping at the major league level. But what the Phillies have been able to do is, you know, have an owner who's willing to spend the money on the Zach Wheelers and the Bryce Harpers, you know, Cy Young and MVP candidates every year. And yes, they use some of that prospect depth to trade for guys like Gene Segura and JT Romuto, and I think that's what the Orioles are going to be able to do. But on the flip side, they'll probably trade their hitting prospect depth for pitching at the major league level once they are ready to win again. But, you know, the Orioles, it seems like at this point with the Angeloses in charge, aren't going to have the fallback option to give 200 plus million dollars to guys like Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper to help finish off 
the rebuild, the Orioles are going to be, you know, relying more on the guys in the system already and relying more on trades, more so than free agency, to bring in talent. And, you know, the O's have done a better job in the system and have done a better job in the minors revamping that and, you know, having more talent there than the Phillies did. But, you know, if things start to go wrong for the O's a little bit and they don't have that fallback option of, you know, spend, spend, spend to spend their way out of it, you know, the O's rebuild still could fail. I mean, we all know this. It's not a guarantee that it's going to work out like the Astros did, even though they're kind of following a similar plan. And the other thing is, you know, you look at the Phillies, they still haven't gotten to the postseason. And let's be honest, you know, I know the Braves just won the World Series, but the Braves, you know, they weren't like a 100-win team this year. They didn't even win 90 games, and they won the NL East. I mean, the NL East has been open, up for grabs for the last three years. Heck, there was even expanded playoffs in 2020, and the Phillies couldn't get into the postseason. And so they've been in a fairly easy division. I mean, I know that their division has won two out of the last three World Series with the Nats in 19 and the Braves this year, but those teams weren't great in the regular season. They just got hot in the postseason after winning a weak division. And you've got the Marlins, who haven't really been there. You've got the Mets, who have underachieved greatly. You've got the Nationals, who are on a big-time downturn right now. And obviously, the Braves are going to be a really good team. But that division is open, and the Phillies still haven't been able to do it with a Cy Young and an MVP, essentially, on the team. And you look at Baltimore, and yeah, maybe the Orioles can get more talent from within. But they're going to be playing in the toughest division in baseball, as we talk about over and over again, and that's going to make it even harder. So I think, you know, listening to all this is really a cautionary tale that, you know, this still may not work. And if it doesn't work, it's going to crash and burn because the Orioles aren't going to be able to, or I shouldn't be aren't going to be able to because they are able to, but the Angelos is, it seems like, aren't going to be willing to spend their way out of it at the major league level if the full rebuild and the minor league talent doesn't exactly work like they want it to. So definitely, uh, it does make you worry a little bit, but it's important to have these conversations about what has gone wrong for other teams. And it is really interesting, of course, that Andy McPhail, as Destiny said, played a big part in the rebuild failing for the Philadelphia Phillies. But a really good chat with Destiny. We thank her again for coming on to the podcast. And uh, we're going to continue these conversations. Uh, you know, no Mailbag Monday today. Uh, and that is only because the mailbag questions I got for today, which uh, we're going to push that Mailbag Monday to next Monday. Uh, a lot of the questions had to do with the Orioles' timeline on the rebuild and comparing them to the Astros. Well, coming up in the next couple of episodes... We're going to do a comparing the rebuilds with the Astros as well and probably going to answer all those mailbag questions on that episode. We got plenty of episodes like this in this series over the next couple of weeks. We'll compare to the Marlins. We'll compare to the Tigers. We'll compare to the Astros, among other teams. Um, it is uh, really some interesting looks at how other teams are doing this so-called rebuild around the league. But coming up on Wednesday, we'll be back with you with another Comparing the Rebuilds edition of the podcast. And we're staying in the NL East as we're going to talk about the Miami Marlins. They've been in this rebuild about as long as the Orioles have. It's kind of been an interesting run for them with now Derek Jeter and Kim Ang in charge. And we're going to talk to Aram Layton, the former host of Locked On Marlins on this Locked On Podcast Network and now has kind of started his own baseball media venture. We'll talk a bit about that, but then we'll dive into the nitty-gritty of the Marlins system and what their timeline looks like and how that compares to the Orioles. But that's coming up on Wednesday's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.